Welcome to the Joywell Conversations, the podcast of The Joywell, created to inspire, amplify, and support Black and Brown women everywhere in living their joy out loud. In today's episode of The Joywell Conversation, we speak with Baltimore native writer, novelist, and culture critic, Kimberly Shorter. She has profiled and contributed to articles on notable entertainment figures such as Tony Award-winning actor-playwright Ruben Santiago Hudson. She's an all-around freaking awesome Black woman in America, and we are going to turn the conversation over to her now. Hey, Kimberly. Hey, Chisera. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. How's it going down there? It's going great. It's going great. The weather good? It's nice and soupy. Right? Yes. Right? Very soupy. It's like, it feels, oh it feels like August already. Yes. Yeah. I always tell people like when it gets really hot on the East Coast, like, you know, Baltimore, D.C., Virginia, even New York, like it gets so hot. And then I think about Nigeria oh. and, and, and West Africa and its humid hotness and how so many people when I was younger would complain like, oh, my God, it's so like Africa is so hot. Like, I don't know how anybody could live there. And then I moved to the East Coast and I'm like, what are y'all complaining about? <laughs> this Africa has just brought itself over to this side of the country. Like, no joke. I go outside where I live. I go outside. Not only is it soupy, but sometimes you can smell the diesel. Sometimes Ooh. you can smell chickens roosting somewhere. Like, it's like Ooh. live chickens. It smells like animals. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm being taken back to the rural parts of Nigeria. Oh my Nobody goodness. should say that Africa is any different than the United no. States of America. No, they you cannot. Know? They <laughs> Nobody. Cannot. No, not at all. Oh my gosh. Not man. at all. It's crazy. It's crazy. But, you know, I like it warmer than cold, obviously. That's Me good too. Stuff. How have you yeah. been handling um, the quarantine and the lockdown? What have you been up to? Oh, wow. Um, doing a lot of... Um, home projects, mm, a lot yes. of projects that we've started and abandoned. <laughs> and you see the can of paint in the corner and you see the unfinished project and <laughs> paint, neat project. I've got time. Let's make it happen. So yeah, we've been finishing a lot of projects. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh no, no, that sounds like me. Yeah. That sounds like me too. Yeah. I started braiding my hair. I even brought out the hair. Oh, oh um, really? It's still there. <laughs> it's still there. It's been looking at me for two weeks. I'm like, yes, I'll get to you. I will get to you. I promise. But apparently it hasn't been gotten to. And it's literally five oh. feet from me. <laughs> but that's quite all right. You still will have plenty of time. Right? Oh, my gosh. Although, like, I've, I've been really, like, I don't even know the right word. I, it's not timid, but a little anxious, maybe, that, um... You know, New York is opening back up and yeah. some of the folks, when you go outside, they're not, no. it's just, it's, it's kind of like social no. distancing and mask wearing and just being a little bit more conscientious of how close you are to people. It's just not part of the protocol for some people. No, no. You know, no. it's like, cra it's crazy. Like I even, I was, where was I? Was it near Times Square or Central Park? And some of the folks who were not wearing masks don't look like me. And I could not understand why. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No. I could no. not understand it. I don't know. Yeah. Have you seen that where you are? Oh, completely. Yes. I, I just left an event. Um, I attended a drive-by graduation, which is new for 2020. Yeah. And wow. I, yeah. And I would say 50% had on masks. Wow. 
the other half um, had them on as accessories. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, you mean when the when the, the mask Hang- itself is hanging on the chin? On the chin, like, you know. Like, that's cute, yeah. Even though we're in this lockdown, in this pandemic, and now we are, huh, I don't even know what phase of racism we are dealing with right now. I don't, I, I, when I say I don't know what phase, I mean, literally something happens, mm-hmm. there is uproar, mm-hmm. and then certain segments of society, along with the industries that back them, mm-hmm. go back to normal. Exactly. Turn the corner and say, okay, we've done, we've done it. There's nothing more we can do. Exactly. And exactly. so I don't know which phase we're in. I, sometimes I feel like that's where we are. And then somebody sends me a, a text message saying, ooh, another school, university, this, that, and the other has decided to change something that they should have changed like even 10 years ago when we were saying it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think from, I totally agree with you there. But I also feel like there's a shift in the atmosphere that mm. will almost repel those who want to go back to what what normal was because I mean let's face it normal is not it doesn't exist anymore normal is like a a construct that's just out there now so (laughs) I I think that normal is a construct yeah (laughs) it's a figment of your imagination exactly so I I tend to think that those who want to go back to what they consider normal are going to be repelled by this energy that's in the universe that's Mm shifting everything and it just it's it feels different and you know we've lived through you and I are probably about the same age so we've Mm -hmm. lived through Rodney King and we've lived through some of the other um, social uproars that have occurred in recent years Mm -hmm. but this one feels different and even talking to my mother my aunt and people in the generation before us they yeah. said that this is different so Ooh. those who want to go back to normal and want to go back to their little cocoons they're not going to be able to do that there it is i'm appreciating the wisdom of your uh your mom and and actually the elders who have come before us right like that you're you're absolutely right i remember a conversation i was having with um a friend of mine uh cuz he's he's atheist <laughs> and oh, wow. and sometimes we have these conversations about like you know spiritual things or religious mm-hmm. things and and I was just I, call me uh, pessimistic at that point about this whole um, this uproar and he was like but wait maybe we finally like collectively mm-hmm. consciously in our consciousness mm-hmm. said enough mm-hmm. and that's why all of this happened now and I was yeah. like yes. Yeah. That's probably it. That's like that's we were all is. very yeah. mindful. And that it just there it's it like is. the universe, the vibration just said, you know what? Okay, then here you go. Yes. We were hmm. we were getting back what we were giving, what we've been harnessing and holding in. It's yeah. It's yeah, it's st- things are starting to manifest. It's time. It it, it is. It, it is. When I think about our bodies, um, black people, but humans just in general, you know, like um, when we've been strained or tense for a very long time, even physiologically, like once there's a release, mm-hmm. the body does some crazy things. It does. In order to like adapt or uh, adapt to this new normal. It does. And I was yeah. telling a friend, you know, wow, all this tension and stress that we have been holding in our muscles that remember, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. 
there's coming a point where our very muscle fibers are going to breathe. What is that going to do to our bodies? And can we prepare ourselves for that? That's because, yeah, that's deep. You know, that's deep. You know, like, what is it like to be completely free? Completely free, like to be in your bones, settled, free, mm-hmm. and able to walk around without, you know, anxiety, worry, or concerns. That's a whole nother level of being. That is. You that know? Is. That is. And we're Gosh. moving towards it. We are moving towards it. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to believe that. I have even with the symbolism, fine, but just the protesters alone and BLM, Black Lives Matter, yeah, yeah. And these young folks who are like, what the we have no security anyway. Any- you think we're gonna sit in our offices or like wherever you tell us to and hope that things are gonna No, we're gonna make no. it different now. That's no. it's just a beautiful thing. And you move differently in the world when you have nothing to lose. Yeah. Yeah. And we're learning that from this this generation coming up. Yes. Yes. Kimberly and I met while I was working for the federal government. And, um, you know, that was a really interesting environment. I, I, I think you would agree, right? <laughs> Most definitely. Most definitely. Yes. But um, I bring it up because of something I remember one of our colleagues uh, telling me that I never really thought about until she brought it up. And she was saying to me, um, she was saying to me, you know, Chisora, look, you coming in here at the position that you were brought into was something that a lot of folks hadn't seen. Mm -hmm. And to see somebody so young doing that and then wearing a fro, yeah. I was like, really? Yeah. Like my dream, just between you and I and this microphone and anybody listening, <laughs> was to walk up into that White House, and I did, uh, with a fro and pearls. Because I was just going to be that person. <laughs> you, yes. That is so you. That is so you. And if I can tell you, mm-hmm. if I can tell you, and I don't think I've ever shared this with you in any mm-hmm. of our conversations. Mm-hmm. When I first met you and just took in your unapologetic blackness, that Mm. gave me a sense of pride that I don't think I've ever experienced because you didn't apologize with your clothing or your style or your hair. And I don't know if you remember when you met me, I was wearing my hair straightened and I've been natural for about 11 years. But when I met you and I saw what you were doing with your hair, I said, I don't need to straighten my hair to be accepted, Mm. to be viewed a certain way, to be respected. Because they respected you. They had to. The way you carried yourself, they had to. They couldn't look at you and say, well, your hair is not straight, so we can't take you seriously as as a professional. So so thank you for that. That was something that, yeah, seriously. And Probably shortly after you left, I mm-hmm. actually changed my whole re- whole hair regimen. And I don't even straighten my I don't remember the last time I actually straightened my hair. Say what? Actually, I take that back. I did straighten it last summer. We were doing an experiment, my hairstylist mm-hmm. and I. Uh-huh. Um, we tr- tried to straighten my hair. You know, do the length check, see how long it is, all that good stuff. Right, right, um, right. It lasted maybe about 36 hours. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the last time I straightened my hair. And it, 
Well, that it no. lasted 36 hours, though. Literally. That's pretty good. <laughs> Literally. I got my hair done on a Saturday, and by Sunday night, it looked like I was going to the hairstylist. <laughs> my hair rebuked all of that straightening. Exactly. It was not, it was not exactly. happening. So that's the last time I straightened my hair. But, but between that time and the mm-hmm. time that I met you and mm-hmm. saw you. That's when I really started embracing my natural hair and started playing with different styles. I, I normally wow. wear crochets now. Yeah. But um, my hair is long enough that if I wanted to take them out of the crochets and do something, right. I could, but I'm hairstyle challenged. So I have to go to a professional. <laughs> but I just, I mean, I got to the point where I threw away my, I don't have a curling iron or a, a flat iron or any of those things. Right. Before. Right. That's I, like, I don't need them. I'm yeah. conforming to something that isn't me. Mm-hmm. So why am I using these tools to conform? Yeah, that's it. These hot, sort of violent to the hair tools. Violent. Right? Violent. Yes. Oof. Put some heat to, oh my gosh, I'm still, I, I I mean, all of us can talk about the stories where like mom is like yeah. using the hot comb uh, <laughs> to like straighten out your hair and whatnot. And you uh, look, Kimberly. Trauma. <laughs> trauma. But this chick, the one you're talking to right now, Uh was very much the mom put my hair in a style the way you had it when you were a kid in Nigeria. Oh, wow. I would want her to plait my hair. So to plait hair, you know, I don't know if you've seen this, Uh um, where you take a a strong black thread. It almost looks like this kind of surgical thread you use um, um, in surgery, stitching Uh thread, sutures. Um, you take it and you just wrap the hair. And because you're wrapping the hair so close with the thread, mm-hmm. like you can bend the hair into, bend the, each sort of twist into different shapes. So my mom would really? do it and it would look like I'd have a crown on my head. Oh, wow. I loved it. But of course at school, I would get um, called Medusa and whatnot, or, you know, she has snakes on her head. And it was like, whatever. I still, I could not get away from just being able to do my hair my way. Not to say that I, you know, didn't succumb to like relaxers and everything. Oh Mm -hmm. my gosh. But then you get to college. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I was laughed at because it was still not, it was... It was still not the thing to do back then. It's like, wait, why aren't you combing your hair before you leave? I'm like, this is the way my hair grows out. Oh, yeah. this was, oh my gosh. Anyway, stories for days. <laughs> stories for days. The but, things we but, go through. Right. Yeah. As black women. But you know, this is decolonizing the mind. And it's no shade yeah. to to those who, you know, want to wear their hair in whatever way they want to. Yeah. I'm just... It's a political statement. It's not only me identifying with my own power, but there is a politicalness to me saying, no, I'm not conforming. No. Can I tell you another thing that I learned from you? Mm -hmm. The word microaggression. I did not know what I was experiencing in the workplace and in other arenas was microaggression. Wow. Yes. Wow, I just got chills. Oh really? my god. I remember that conversation. Yes, we had that conversation oh in your my office. Gosh, yes. 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 <laughs> yes, we did. Said, so this is what this is. This is microaggression. <laughs> it's like it was like a coming of age for me. Oh my god. It, it was almost like a relief, even though I mean yeah. 
having to deal with it is its own thing. Yes. But yeah. the fact that there was a label for it. Yeah. Is, it's like, that oh, it's a thing. That, it's a thing that yes. I can put a label on and say, mm. this is what this is. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I owe you a lot. I really <laughs> you taught me a lot. Well, being right here and having this conversation with you is thanks enough. Like, honestly, oh, I mean, it's my wow. pleasure, my honor. But yeah, oh I God. learned a lot from you. Yes, man. So you're writing a book right now that's coming out in 2020. Yes, actually, I've written the book. <gasps> yes, it's, that's right. It's, it's written. It is written. Woohoo! Um, Snaps. I've been editing it. Thank you. Snap, snap, snaps. Um, <laughs> I've been editing this book for going on three years now. Mm. And I at one point was beating myself up because I had started this uh, book in grad school and I was a, a writing student at Hopkins. Yeah. And actually the first chapter was a writing assignment. I don't know if I ever told you the story, no. but um, I had see what had happened was. <laughs> of course I had the writing assignment was due that night and I was taking classes in the evening and I was commuting from Baltimore to DC that's, wow. a, that's a whole nother that's story. a lot yes yes I remember it that was a, yeah so <laughs> so I was on the clock to get the story written because I would drive from Baltimore to Silver Spring and then take the metro into oh, wow. I would take the red line into DC and right. I had to time it, you know, going against traffic and all this other stuff. So I banged out a story um, that I forgot what the theme of the writing assignment was. I banged it out, spell checked it, made sure that the commas were where they needed to be, the periods were <laughs> where they course, needed to be, of printed out two copies, put in my bag, got in the car, went to class. So a couple of weeks later, when I got the assignment back, the the professor says I need to see you after class. So when the professor tells you, you need to see you after class, usually it's you know you've, you've turned yeah. in from BS. Or yes, you done effed up now. Like, <laughs> are you okay? What? So I really was thinking the worst. I said, Oh my gosh, because I literally wrote a stream of consciousness and printed it out. I didn't edit. I didn't give any thought to it. So I went and talked to her after class, and she said, You know, this is your thesis. And I said, What? She says, no, this is your thesis. She said, this is a compelling story. I need oh my more. God. Oh, so what wow. I wrote ended up being what is now the first chapter of my novel. So, wow. Yeah. That is amazing. That yes. is amazing. And the fact that it was stream of consciousness, I, yeah. you know, mm, there is something about, and I'm, I'm going to use spiritual terms. There's something about the spirit or the energy just moving in you and you just put something out. Definitely, and it's like, yeah. it's like, that's the story that needs to be told. Yes. You know, and it, it definitely felt like that. It felt like I had, um, well, I had my mother's blessing when I told her eventually mm. that, you know, this was going to be my thesis and, and for the benefit of your listeners, it is loosely based on my family's history. Mm -hmm. So when I told her that I wanted to write about it, um, I had her blessing cause she had a traumatic childhood that she's yeah. not really shared with a whole lot of people, but it's a story that needed to be told. Mm -hmm. And um, I had her blessing and I felt like I had my grandmother's blessing as well um, in spirit. So there were times when I was writing where the words just poured out of me and the emotions and the frustrations that these characters that I had, you know, framed off of these real life people that mm -hmm. just flowed. And there would be times where I would have written something and gone back and read it and, 
did I write that? Did, did yeah. How did these words come on the page? Because I Ugh. consciously do not remember putting them on the page. So writing for me was really, uh, it is a, a spiritual experience, but especially yes. writing this novel, it, it just, it took me places that I didn't anticipate going. Oh, I love that. It's always a journey writing, you yeah. know? Always oh. a journey. So yeah, it, it's definitely been a journey. So I started it in grad school. Um, mm-hmm. we, by the time I submitted my thesis, I had five full chapters. So my five, first five chapters oh. are on the shelf somewhere in the Eisenhower Library yes. at Johns Hopkins okay. University. So yes. in some sense, I am a published author. Yes, yes, you are. Come <laughs> so, on, claim it, yeah. claim it. Right. So yes, <laughs> I, I, I am a published author. Yes. So um, and I just, after grad school, I just kept writing in bits and pieces and, you know, encouragement from fellow writers such as yourself along the way. Um, kind of helped me move it along and yeah create a, a fully fleshed out novel um that I, I'm really proud of um, mm-hmm. I'm just not proud of the time it's taken me to put it out but I'm proud of the fact that you know the story is on the page and yeah I, I just uh, want to share it with the world and um create some conversations and dialogues and spaces for us to examine family relationships and how we deal with one another how we address our mm ills and our trauma and how we Mm. heal each other kim you are so on it you are so on it you are so on it i don't think we said what the title is the title of the book is finding sanctuary right finding sanctuary yes (sighs) yeah y'all yeah y'all it's important for us us and when i say us i mean black women support other black women but also amplify amplify voices get our books our stories out there because it's our stories that give shape to our existence right it man don't get me preaching all of a sudden (laughs) you know like (laughs) these stories these stories represent us and they need to be seen felt heard Mm -hmm. you know and and i can't wait for folks to delve into this story and to see yeah. you in it like it's just yeah y'all it's, it's coming it's coming so I cannot wait yeah I just need to trust the words that I put on the page mm-hmm. enough to let it go I think that's yeah. where I am now letting just being comfortable enough to let it go and not keep trying to refine what's been refined mm-hmm. so, yeah. mm-hmm. just let it be let it breathe let it breathe let it breathe I yes. feel you. I feel you. Is writing for you a source of joy in your life? Oh, most definitely. Most when definitely. Did that start? Um, I always look for stories in things, in mm. situations, in 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 unlikely places. I, I'm that person that if I'm on the subway, I'm looking at the people sitting across from me or people that are standing and wondering where they're coming from, mm, where they're yeah. going. So my mind is always envisioning scenarios and situations and how I could bring them to life so writing for me is joy uh, uh, just un- limitless joy mm. we need black girl yeah. joy in the world yes that consciousness that energy I want to talk about because you're, you're saying writing as a source of joy yes yeah. for whatever reason when you said that it made me think of you outside in white under like this bright sun with trees drinking lemonade. Don't ask me why. But there was a sense of like just peace and happiness yeah. or so. And I wanted to know how you 
in your experience over time have learned to cultivate whatever that sentiment was that I saw while you were talking about writing? How do you cultivate that in your life or how have you been able to given, you know, what it is to be a black woman in this country? That's a really good question. Mm. That is a really good question. Um, hmm. So I knew early on in life that I was a writer. Um, I wrote my first book unpublished when I was probably, I don't know, four or five years old. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, it's about a disobedient mouse and it might have been inspired by <laughs> a true story. Might not, I don't know. But um, yeah, so I've had this. That is too cute. I'm sorry. A disobedient <laughs> mouse. That is everything. Yeah, that's what it's that about. Is everything. I, yeah. So I've always, since I can, my earliest memories can can say that I've always been in love with words and books and writing mm. pencils and paper. Um, so I knew that that was, I didn't know that that was my purpose. Mm defined but I knew that it was something I was supposed to be doing so I don't know if that makes any sense but I didn't yeah I knew that this was something I was supposed to be doing because Mm -hmm. I was always writing and in fact when um I was a young girl and um and growing up in church some of the elders in the church would call me miss pen and paper because I always had a notebook of some sort and a pen or because I was always writing always thinking so Miss Pen and Paper. Wow. Miss Pen and Paper. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) So, I guess to answer your question, um, Mm -hmm. knowing that I have the power to create, whether or not whatever it is I'm creating, because I've written, I don't know, hundreds of poems, I've written a couple Mm -hmm. of plays. Some things haven't seen the light of day and they never will. But just knowing that I have the power to create something that could impact somebody, whether I share it with one person or share it with, Mm -hmm. you know, the world knowing that I have that power to, to do things, to change, to build something from the ground up. Um, just that gives me a sense of, of pride, of joy, of purpose, Mm -hmm. knowing that, um, yeah, that I can change the world in some way with words. Language is so powerful. It really is. So, so powerful. it, It really, it truly is. Um, I don't think people fully understand that. I think writers appreciate that. And those mm-hmm. who love to read, those who are, you know, are, are students of writing and English and literature, right. they, they, they understand it. But I don't think the average person really has an appreciation for that. I um, mean, I, even outside of literature, out of the creative space, like yeah. just in policy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The words you use, research. The words. The words you use. Hello. You no, know? like it literally shapes not only the way you see the world, but the way the world is. Mm-hmm. This is uh, why I think it's so important for us to get our our, our stories out. In fact, oh. something that you just said, um, where you were like, whether it's for one person, whether I'm sharing it with one person, or it's with the world, you know, just the fact that you get to create is something. And yeah. and I've been thinking about that over the mm-hmm. last few weeks since mm-hmm. George Floyd's murder. The literary space, I'm sure you've noticed this, mm-hmm. has been very sort of like up in arms, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And then yeah. like literally flooded social media with like, we want to hear from BIPOC 
We want to yeah. hear from you women. And it was like, and for yeah. me, it was, um, I wouldn't call it anxiety inducing, but it seemed very frenetic, right? Like all of this yeah. coming at once and like, at okay, once, what am yeah. I supposed to do? Uh, like, now you want my stuff. You might not pay for it. So anyway, so there was that. And then it was like, well, who gets to say whether our art is good enough? Whether the words that we put on the page are good enough. There are all these, you know, different awards, different mm -hmm. publishing houses that historically, and even in contemporary times, do not look to Black people or Black yeah. women for that matter to share their stories because yeah. it's either too Black or it doesn't fit the narrative or, oh, I don't feel comfortable representing this story. Yeah. I've gotten that. Right now? <laughs> oh my gosh. Are you serious? I've gotten that. Yeah. Recently, actually. Um, I've started shopping my manuscript out looking for agents and mm -hmm. I've, you know, gotten some feedback back, um, in this frenetic space that you were referring to, mm -hmm. you know, um, because there's an urgency to hear from us, like you're saying. Yeah. So yeah. I've, I've had a couple of, you know, literary agents reach out by way of, I must say, friends of mine who are writers, who are allies, who are saying, mm. Hey, Beautiful. I, 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 I have a, you know, literary representation. I have mm -hmm. a publishing deal. I have friends who are uh, people of color who do not. And I want to leverage that to get them in front of them. So I've had a couple of opportunities, doors open for me that way. That and uh, I have people that, you know, read the story. It's very compelling, but it doesn't align with what we're, you know, looking for right now or whatever. And it, it's, it's okay. It's okay. It's like, mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's not for everyone, but, uh, yeah, it would have been nice if that energy and that, you know, urgency to hear from us had been there all along because our stories have been there all along. We've been putting yes. them out into the world. And oh, when you look at the high number, most of my favorite authors, my favorite black authors mm -hmm. at some point either self-published yes. or they still self-publish. They, mm -hmm. you know, they didn't have a random house or a Simon yeah. & Schuster knocking on yeah. their door. They paved the way for themselves to get their stories out there. So I think that's there. there's something to be said for that. Yeah, no, you're right. There is something to be said. Yeah. I mean, if anything, this, uh, even within this period of time, I've just felt more and more compelled to just share. Share. Mm -hmm. and not um, And not wait for anybody. I feel like if there is a lesson for Black people more so now than ever, and especially for me, it's like, don't wait for anybody to give you permission to be who you are, because they might not like it, and that's okay as long as you love yourself and put it out there, because folks need to see it. Like you were saying, with your story, it may be one person, it may be the world, but like, yeah. somebody's going to be touched by that. That story is going to make them think perhaps reflect yeah maybe even reach out in a way that they hadn't before had, you know and if I can share with you mm -hmm. I had sent the my manuscript out to a couple of beta readers um mm -hmm. within the past I don't know say six months mm -hmm. just to get their feel for it and also to get my hands off of it because like I told you I've been obsessively editing and tweaking it so it gave me an opportunity to let it breathe and one of the beta readers that I had um, selected was a friend of mine, a white woman who mm -hmm. lives in Canada. Mm. So she doesn't have our lived experience yeah. Yeah. as a reference point. Mm -hmm. And I, and I was 
particularly interested in getting her feedback because she'd be coming to this totally fresh, totally new, not knowing anything about the African-American culture, not knowing about Baltimore, not knowing about some of our, you know, our nuances within our own community. And she called me after she finished the manuscript and she was in tears. And she said, I, she said, I love this story. She said, it moved me in Mm. ways that I didn't expect it to. She said, I, and I didn't know this about her because I know I've known her for about, I don't know, about three, four years now. And she said, I didn't know who my father was. And she said, I related to your character, not knowing who her father was. So see, Mm. yeah. Mm. The fact that the story, the themes and the threads that, that I've woven into the story are universal that somebody who lives in another country and who's of another culture and another Mm -hmm. race Mm -hmm. could relate to Mm. that story says a lot and that that just that yeah that that just compelled me to keep pushing keep moving to get the story out if somebody who I didn't think could relate to it could relate to it then other people need to read it as well the human story is universal. And I'm I'm going to be political for a second. I need folks to see our humanity so that they know that our story is also the human story. And that story, people are going to relate to. Yes. If I can relate to the woman who wrote Educated, I'm not a young white woman who went through all of that stuff. Yes, right. But I can still sit in the story in her world and empathize and sympathize. Like, and not just because she's white, but because she's telling her story. And when somebody opens up and is vulnerable and is willing to tell their story or even tell a fictionalized story, they're saying something. They're asking, <laughs> they're mm-hmm. asking for decency to show up. Yes. They're asking for receptivity. They're not asking for, sorry, you know, like, oh, this is, this is good. It's written technically well, but you know what? Uh, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to represent this. No, you need to check yourself on that. You do. That's, that's how I see it. How do you define joy? That's a really good question. Mm-hmm. One thing I, one thing that I, I've been doing of late, that's mm-hmm. really interesting, um, because I'm a writer and I, and I try to be very observant, mm-hmm. um, one thing I've been doing when I've been taking my daily walks is I try to find places or landmarks or something in the neighborhood that I wouldn't have noticed before. And those oh, wow. little things give me joy because it's like I'm discovering something new, mm. something that's been there, whether it's a house that's been tucked away in, you know, in a thicket of trees that I didn't notice before yeah. or an, an antique car that's been sitting in the parking lot that I didn't, pay, you know, I hadn't paid attention to. So I find joy in those little things as well. The little moments, the little quiet moments are what I really, um, I really treasure the most. I so agree with you on that. But yeah. It totally makes a difference. It's like, yeah. as you were saying that I was thinking joy as discovery. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like there's an exploration, there's it's there's an adventure, there's that little thing like, oh, I never noticed that. Exactly. It does something to you. It does something to your for me, it grounds me. Yes. So you have these you have walks just like I do. I love this. Um, What else do you do to cultivate joy? I love music. I, Mm. I, you know, 
I I listen to a little bit of everything. Yes. Um, but of late, I've been listening to like classic gospel music, church music oh, that I grew up on. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh my goodness! Just I don't know how or why, but it just <laughs> it feels me. Maybe because it 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 takes me back to my innocence and my childhood mm-hmm. and. and being, being protected by mom mm-hmm. and, and being in the church and not having to worry about mm-hmm. the things of adulthood that weigh us down. Um, yeah. I mean, I was up the other night until like two thirty in the morning, just watching old gospel videos. Just, Hey, no, it happens. Yeah, That's and, beautiful. Yeah. Just like, wow. Like I like, because I, I'm a writer, I'm an artist, I'm a creator. I like I have a great respect for how things are built or created or made. So um, I like, I like finding or seeing rather the videos of the actual live recordings for some of my favorite gospel songs. So um, I found a video the other night of the late great Reverend Timothy Wright and his live recording up for the rest of my life that just what? sent me at first I was mad at myself because the song is in heavy rotation anyway I listen to it probably I don't know several times a week <laughs> but to see oh my goodness Chisha, I didn't know there was a video you have to yes the, the actual link. I will send you the link the actual what? recording and it was a mass choir and they all had on all of their different choir robes from whatever church no, or choir they were in and no. just the sea of colors and Mm. just absolutely beautiful and all of the blackness and the harmony and the joy yeah that was joy and I just just seeing how he moved and directed the choir and how Mm. the choir was swaying and feeling and the soloist was feeling the song and the congregation was up in praise and clapping no. and rocking to the music that just that oh so to answer your question <laughs> uh gospel music just brings me such joy particularly yeah. the, the the classics did you did you see the um the versus battle with Kirk Frank, it wasn't even a battle I with did. Kirk Franklin and Fra- oh my yeah, God. I saw that one. I saw that one. I saw Hezekiah Walker and John P. Key. I just what? Uh, wait, just, when did that have to oh happen God, in the God. last two weeks? No, the the Hezekiah Walker and John P. Key one was last month. That was like one of the earlier versus battles. Okay, I did not know they did that one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was ooh. yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. They, they covered all of it. So they yeah, so I saw they covered it all. So yeah. So Fred and, and, and Kirk and oh. Hez and John P. Key. Oh. Just, yeah. Um, you had mentioned, I know you're doing something around um, narrative work or like owning your narrative. Tell us a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So um, I um, am very active on Twitter. I'll put mm-hmm. it that way. Um, very, very vocal. I'll, I'll say things that maybe I shouldn't say sometimes, but <laughs> that's another podcast for another. Day. Right, exactly. Uh, we can so, talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I've had friends who've approached me at different points in times, like, hey, you know, because I, 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 
a volunteer for a number of different organizations doing social media and things. So I picked up some skills and some knowledge along the way. And um, they will ask me questions. And I'll, one of the first things I ask them, do you have your domain? Do you have a business idea or an idea for a creative project or whatever it is? Own your domain. Yes. So um, I had a couple of, you know, friends who've come to me and, like I said, but asked me and they're like, oh, yeah, I'll go get the domain and then I'll go check because you can just easily go to like a go (laughs) check a week later and it's still available. And I, I'm that friend that's like, Hey, your domain is sitting out there. You have this great idea. You should snatch it up. So I actually had started doing that for a couple of people who, you know, had these great ideas and they kind of like falter or whatever Mm -hmm. and trying to get it. And I've seen them lose their domain because somebody had the same idea exactly and they'll snatch it up so I've done that I actually did that for a couple of other people they're just going to learn the hard way (laughs) so (laughs) so I've been a bit of a um and and I have to give credit it's not anything that's been like born of my thought but um unique Jones Gibson um Mm -hmm. on Twitter she she's been very uh vocal about um, owning your domains and everything. So I try to impart that upon my, my little, uh, group of followers. So, um, yeah, going in and, and getting whatever your name is.com or a variation of it, or whatever your project or your business name is going and getting that, whether or not you build a website with it, that's not the point. Own your yeah. domain. Um, yeah. If you re- I don't know if you um, saw in the news, it was about a month ago after Breonna Taylor mm-hmm. um, was murdered. Um, there was a news report that uh, made national headlines that a police-backed uh, union or a pro-police organization bought her domain, bought BreonnaTaylor.com. Oh, heard that. And, and put up a pro-police website with it. Mm. So... Mm. The body was not enough. No. The body was not enough. No. They wanted her name. They wanted her name. Hmm. So um, hmm. that really just that that really just did something to me to think that they took her life and now they're trying to take her name and make wow. money off of it. It wasn't what? like you said, it wasn't enough. So they took her name. And when you went to you typed in BriannaTaylor.com, the banner said support good police. And so wow. Brianna wow. Taylor.com wasn't about Brianna Taylor. It wasn't exactly. about her being an EMT. It wasn't about her being a strong, beautiful black woman who had her life ahead of her. Mm-hmm. It was about the police. And they that, stole her name to tell a story. To tell that. a story, not hers. They were they took her narrative. So I, mm. I that just that bothered me. That really bothered me. I couldn't even sleep Ooh, that night. Yeah. I went and I, I looked up to see if they had taken all of her domains. So they took BriannaTaylor.com and BriannaTaylor.org, but BriannaTaylor.net was still available. Okay. So I bought it and I contacted her, her uh, family's attorney. And uh, we're actually in the process of transferring the domain to the family because even though .com carries the most weight in the world, you know, right. a dot net somebody still could get it and do something nefarious with it so um look at you thank it, you yeah. thank you kimberly oh it's my god i haven't shared it with anybody except for my husband i told him and I, I did talk to a friend of mine on twitter about it because mm-hmm. we were back and forth in the dms because it just like i said it really bothered me so yeah um 
just people need to own your narratives. Not to say that something terrible is going to happen to you. God forbid if it does. If it does, at least you own your domain. They can't take your 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 name and make a website and try to raise money for some oppressive organization. Own your narrative. Own it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to build a website with it's great if you do. Mm -hmm. You know, for those who are into branding and image and all of that, it's great if you want to take it and put up, you know, whatever your name is dot com, put up a website. Great. But if nothing else, own it so that no one else can take it from you. It's mine. I don't want you to take my body, so I'm not going to let you take my name or my image or my likeness to do whatever the heck you want. If I can control that. Exactly. So thank you. So exactly. So every couple of weeks, I tweet out a friendly reminder to own your domains. And mm. yeah. Okay. How can we follow you on Twitter? Just so that, that everybody knows. Um, so my main Twitter account is Kimberly Writer. Mm-hmm. So that's where I talk all things Baltimore because that's where I was. That's where my heart is. It's where I was yeah. born. Yeah. Yeah. Love. So I, you know, defend my city on, on, on the Twitter. That's right. Um, you know, I talk some pop culture and some other things that uh, doesn't bring shame to the family. <laughs> oh my, that you said it just that way. I feel like we're sisters now. Because uh, that's literally. Oh my gosh. Let me, <laughs> let me tell you, most of my, so my mother doesn't think I know that she follows me. And I know she don't know nothing about no Twitter. But no, she follows me. So yeah, I have I, I, I I'm kind of mindful of some of the things that I, I I put, you know. Yes. Yes. So yeah. <laughs> so mama, mama be on the Twitter. It's like uh, mm. I I try. Sometimes I just you know I can't hold it in. It's like I'm just gonna say it the way yes. you said. Yes. And because you are your own person, exactly. You own your own domain and your I narrative. Own, yes. Amen. <laughs> amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Oh my God. So when, when, when joy is challenged, you know, and and we cannot under, undermine the Mm -hmm. impact that the last four months have had on our Mm -hmm. bodies and our minds, but, Mm -hmm. or what advice would you give to your younger self or to Mm -hmm. a young person listening out there about how to manage this and how to live their joy out loud? Like be that black girl joy, brown girl joy, or whoever's listening, but definitely to my, my black and brown young, younger generation coming up. Wow. That's really a good question. That's really, mm. I try. That's deep. I would have to say, looking at the fact that our history has shown that we've, we as a people have gone through 400 years of oppression and then thinking about our ancestors who walk these roads before us and how they've survived, mm. how they persevered within the confines of whatever lives that were created for them. Because mm. let's face it, they they didn't have the freedoms that we have now. They were yeah. relegated. I mean, if you look at Baltimore, Baltimore is still you know, largely yes, segregated, segregated, but they were relegated to certain communities, certain neighborhoods, and they thrived. Yeah. And, you yes. know, they, they, they had black joy that hmm. had, when you think about it, you think about when they were, 
within themselves, within their communities, they could celebrate and, and lift each other up and support each other. And to know that they survived, the, they survived times that got us to this point. Mm-hmm. If they could do it, I can do it. Say that again, because, because they survived, because they, they survived, survived, we're here. Yeah. Yes. Um, my grandmother, my maternal grandmother came to Baltimore from the Northern X. She was part of the great migration. Mm. She came by steamboat in the 1930s. Steamboat, like up it, the Mississippi river kind of steamboat. Yeah. Well, she came up the Chesapeake Bay. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Speaking, yes. Oh, yeah. But, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, yeah, like the Mississippi River. But, yeah, but she, you know, she wanted a better life for herself. And she realized mm. that rural Virginia wasn't going to give her that life. Mm. So she packed herself up. Look at that. Got on that steamboat. And um, from the accounts that I got from my mother and my great aunts, um, they... It, it was like a two or three day journey. So she was that determined and she didn't. She came up to Baltimore with nothing, not really knowing anybody and built a life for herself. Granted, there were challenges there, but she persevered through that. Some of the things that we know that have been documented, that we can see, mm-hmm. that we read about, that they endured and yeah. to get us here. Exactly. It just fills me with gratitude. It's, it's, it's it, you know, humility and, and joy. So there are times when, you know, you look at the news and you, you get, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it fills you with despair. You get despondent. But in everything, God has a plan and everything. Right. So I, I hold to that as well that and I have to I have to admit, you know, like you said, these past four months have have really you know, been stressful and Mm -hmm. traumatic in so many different ways. And there have been days when I internalized that to the point where my blood pressure was through the roof because I was just thinking and stressing and worrying. Yes. But forcing myself to let go of, uh, of those thoughts and things at times, just forcing myself, like I will find a a point in times like, okay, Kim, you got to let it go. Detox. Yes. Yes. Breathe. Yes. And, and, and find something to hold on to that I can appreciate or enjoy or love. It, it, it does something for me. It it really does. And I could literally feel the blood pressure just coming down. Mm. I feel the relief and it's like, yeah, things are crazy outside of my window, but right now I am okay. Right now I can find joy somewhere in my house whether it's in the kitchen in the freezer in an ice cream container Girl, <laughs> or, yes, yes. Or, or you know or in one of my journals where you know I might go back and look at something I've written or I might write something new or oh, that's so beautiful yeah so I there are times when I have to just program myself to go find that joy wherever it is and just programming yourself to find that joy when you that when is you exactly it. it it will it will come to you it'll come and to just you. just allowing it allowing yourself to make the choice mm-hmm. to yes. to you know have that joy mm-hmm. because it's so easy to to spiral it's so easy and it's, it's not your fault yeah. you know it's not your fault it's this is a lot of stuff but to to work at it's like a muscle work on making a different choice a better choice for yourself each time joy will find you it, joy it will. will 
find you. You have to let it. There was something you said. If you let it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. If you let it. Mm-hmm. Um, which reminds me. So I, I do yoga and I really like the yin yoga practice because it's not, it's not as active. It's, it's about patience. It's really about patience. Mm-hmm. And when you are sitting in a particular pose, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not about forcing yourself into the pose. It's about relaxing into it. It's mm-hmm. like, it's, it, ha- if it forces you to wow. say, take stock of where you are right now and be okay with that. And just breathe into that, knowing that sometime in the future, it'll change, but that's okay. Right here, right now, just work on releasing the tension. I, I, I said this on, in a conversation the other day, I was like, release your shoulders. Because mm-hmm. you don't even know when you, they've like crept up to your neck and it's like, don't. oh, right. I'm, I'm you, doing that right you now. You don't realize, I'm literally doing that but right it's now. like, yeah. it's, the, it's that sort of like, just release and say, okay, I don't, I don't need the tension that I'm holding in my body right now. Mm-hmm. So when you were, so when you were talking about, you know, just how it's like shift the focus and relax and breathe and let it be, it's like, yeah, that reminded me a lot of, of what yin yoga mm. sort of is about um lightning round Kimberly. i love that you know first answer that comes to mind with some of these questions are you ready i'm ready all right so your favorite words Ooh, you're a writer <laughs> oh my goodness right and it's a lightning round i gotta think of something i know more. right <laughs> oh gosh um inspire inspiration create Ooh, yeah. inspire, inspiration, and create. Yes. Yeah. All right, favorite book? Oh, I have to say The Known World by Edward P. Jones. I have never yeah. heard of it. Oh I feel God. bad right now. Don't okay. Just read it. All right, favorite TV binge right now? Oh, isn't it TV series? Oh, wow. I'm, I'm, yeah, it could be I'm, TV series. It could be on these streaming <laughs> platforms that we all have this now. Is like I'm flunking this lightning round. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. No, I'm you're fine. To... Take, take your time. Uh, no, no. It's a lightning round. So it's supposed to be fast. <laughs> what am I watching? Because everything's on hiatus right now. Yes, uh, basically. <laughs> yeah, like my entire life. <laughs> yeah, right, right. All the shows that I normally watch, the series I would watch. Greenleaf is coming back. Yes, Greenleaf June. So, so yeah. that will be my answer. I will, I will go back. So, I've, you know, of course, they they started the the, the final season, which I'm devastated. Yes. The final season, yeah. but I would say, I, I guess, because I'm a church girl and I grew up in the church, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm the one that will go back and rewatch other episodes. So that's my final answer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. I'm with you on that. I have actually thought like, ooh, it would be so nice, like if they were recasting to be cast in. Um, in the lead role. Oh my gosh. I am not blanking on her name right now. Um, Grace, 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 Grace exactly. Yeah. Grace, Grace. Yeah. Cause like I'm watching her life and I'm like, mm-hmm, yep. I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, totally want to play that role. Um, favorite film in the last year. And I know you haven't been to a theater in a couple months. So. Oh, what Corona. is that? Well, <laughs> Cause Corona. Well, gosh, what? Oh my gosh. What would, Oh, Chisera, I'm oh sorry. I um, in the last year, what did Mark and I don't go to the movies that often, to be honest with you. What did we go see? 
Oh my goodness. I, I'm drawing a blank. I'm drawing a blank on that one. Okay. So favorite. I'm sorry. Food. When I no, 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 no. You're good. We're we're just gonna keep moving. No, I'm because, mad look, because it was a movie that we saw and I loved it and we went to a different theater and we saw it together and I loved it. Wow. So you saw okay. it twice. Yeah. Maybe it was Harriet. Maybe it was Harriet. Okay. Maybe yeah, it was I could Harriet. See it. Yeah. Harriet, Harriet was good. Yeah. Leslie Odom Jr. is in it. I love, 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 yes, love, love. Yes, so yes. yes. So so yes, that's it. Okay. I'm still walking lightning round, but <laughs> right. give me the answers to you. <laughs> okay, so Harriet, we got it. Yes. And then favorite food. I am a breakfast food junkie. I love, 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 love breakfast food. I am yeah. When my husband and I were planning our wedding, um, I wanted to have no. a breakfast reception. Now of breakfast foods, I love, love, love French toast. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yes. Different kinds of bread. I've made it different kinds of way. I've made it with buttermilk. I've made it with brioche bread, sourdough bread, croissants, you name it. So definitely breakfast food. And the cream of the crop for me would be the French toast. Okay. Yeah. All right. Last question for the lightning round. Yeah. What is your favorite or your go-to self-care routine? Who walking? Because mm. I like to be able to move, to swing my arms, to to feel that movement, and to breathe. I feel like I breathe better when I'm better when I'm walking. Mm. Yes, my brain is working, and, and like I said earlier, I'm looking at things, getting inspired, finding joy. So I feel like when I come back in from a walk, I've you know refreshed my body. I've gotten some you know exercise in. I've moved the circles on the Apple Watch, and I probably come back with an idea or or something that I could like write about or create. So yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I love it. So Kimberly, I want to say thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I cannot wait for your book, Finding Sanctuary, to come out. Yes. I own that domain, by the way. Yes. But I own FindingSanctuaryNovel.com. So I'm holding on to it for when the book comes out. So yes. There it is. See, that's proactiveness. That is owning your narrative. All right. Love you, Mucho. And um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Anytime, my dear. You've been listening to The Joywell Conversations, a podcast for The Joywell. This episode was written and produced by Chisara Asamoga with music by Kevin McLeod. A very special thank you to Kimberly Shorter. And to all of you listening, remember, love joy, be joy, live joy well. <laughs>